Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Hey, welcome back. Super excited to introduce today's guest. We have um, a lot in common, it turns out, in our views around business and who we serve and kind of our approach, um, both from a mindset and a business perspective. So really excited to bring you Susan McVeigh, who helps business owners increase their sales with ease so they can make more money, more impact, and have more freedom. Thanks so much for joining us today, Susan. I'm super excited to be here, Erin. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. No, I'm excited because I feel like we could talk about, um, well, probably a hundred different topics, but for our audience, because you were sharing a bit about your story and kind of how you got into entrepreneurship. And um, I took lots of notes so that we don't miss anything, but kind of how, how did that start? Because you were, you were first corporate. Um, but if you want to start even before that, because you mentioned immigrating to Canada, right? So wherever you want to start is totally fine. Yeah, my parents are immigrants to Canada, so I'm first generation, and I didn't, to be honest, I don't know that it actually carries any weight, but, because it was my life, but I think Mm -hmm. it influenced a lot of the things that I took for granted as I went into my corporate career. So back in the days that my parents owned their store, it was without digital, no online stuff, like no internet. So it was just handshake to handshake, like knowing your neighbor and it was brick and mortar store. So you were tied to the hours of work, the location. There was none of the other stuff that we now, I take for granted running an online business. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to be my own boss. I saw what that looked like. And for me, it was like a big ball and chain. So I ran after college and university. I ran (laughs) into corporate largely because I needed a job and largely because I needed to pay rent. I Mm -hmm. didn't want to have to move back home. And when I was pounding the pavement, I forgot to tell you, Erin, that I graduated with a a double major in English language and geography. Mm. (laughs) Back then, and probably still today, it doesn't really equate to a job. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> so surprise, surprise. Uh, it took a long time, and I still, I'm still searching for a job in my actual field. Mm-hmm. But I ended up uh, falling into corporate and falling into a, a hidden sales job. I thought it was customer service, and it wasn't. And by the time I realized this, it was kind of too late because I, I needed the money. I, right. I didn't have time to go and find another job because rent kept coming up and then it kept coming up again every four, four weeks. So I ended up stumbling into this corporate career in sales and in a finance background and industry, heavily male dominated. And I realized that I actually loved what I was doing because it was serving other people. It was highly fulfilling to see clients be able to buy their first homes, go on vacation, retire, and put their kids through school. And in the end, I uh, I thought I was going to retire there. 
Mm-hmm. Like I had no plans to run my own business. I had tried several and failed. Uh, in fact, you know, the entrepreneurial bug kind of bit me early on. I tried everything from, you know, selling candy to loaning my sister's my allowance money when I was seven. I had tried um, MLMs or direct sales with the crafting stuff that I was kind of doing on the side. I'd run a tutoring business. And so through all of this, though, the, the common thread was service. I love helping other people. I love being in service. And that's the example that my parents showed to me. So I was just as surprised as anybody else that I'm here talking to you about <laughs> an online-based business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was trying to run away from it for so long. Yeah. So, okay. So you got into sales by accident. You're now in the online business space by accident, right? I, I but I know there's more to the story of like what led you from mm-hmm. your your nine to five to where you are today. And that's kind of like the more personal side of things. So what was sort of like the the tipping point for you to leave corporate and, and pursue your own thing? And was it out of necessity, you know, kind of tell our yeah, listeners? Yeah, it was, it definitely was, you know, the hand of God kind of pushed me. I was talking to my husband the other day and I said, I don't think I would have done this on my own. Actually, Mm -hmm. in fact, I know that I wouldn't have done this on my own because there were clues when I look back um, that I never had the courage. And at the time I didn't have the faith to do it. And so, you know, when I think back to what was different, what was different was I had no other choice. And so I realized that, because I love this job, like I love the job that I had in corporate. And along the way, you know, I got married to a great guy. We had a house with a, with a white picket fence of all things. <laughs> so we were like, story- like literally, yeah. yeah, like literally the storybook couple, you know, one boy, one girl, and m- my kids were amazing. But I, I remember wondering after my daughter was born, if this was it, like there was something unlocked within me. And I didn't even know it at the time. I didn't know that I was missing something, that I was feeling this lack of fulfillment, that I was chasing after a thing that I didn't even know what it was. Like I couldn't even put my finger on it. And I kept being more successful. I kept getting more promotions. Um, And I actually was in a major, major car accident at the time, just shortly after I went back uh, from my daughter's maternity leave. And even that didn't stop me. I just powered through it and I just kept going. And it wasn't until, um, gosh, so the car accident was in 2011. And in 2015, I was still going through therapy. I had been left with chronic pain. It was has now since been diagnosed as fibromyalgia. But at the time, I just knew that my body was literally crippled with pain. And I just got used to it. I knew that I was going to all these doctor's appointments on all of these things that I needed to do to take care of myself, but I actually wasn't taking care of myself. Like, have you ever been in a space where you kind of have a checklist of, yep, I'm going to go do this, 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 and you kind of go through the motions of it, but it's not really doing anything. Mm-hmm. That was my life. Like that was my entire life. So I was running on empty and didn't even realize it until I thought I was going crazy. And it was right after a family vacation that I, it it actually clicked for me. And the magnitude of how not okay I was sunk in because I, Mm -hmm. again, I was just ignoring all the signs. And 
in January of 2015, I thought I was going crazy. My mind was betraying me in that I couldn't stop crying. I was crying at stoplights on the way to work in the basement parking lot of my office tower uh, en route to go and meet with you know, CEOs, CFOs, like high powered executives of companies that I worked with and in the bathroom stall at work. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I thought I was dying. And there was a moment in time where I thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And I remember not being able to talk. I remember the tears like rolling down my face as I was on a, like a, a chat on the computer with our employee resource center. And they asked if I was okay. And I said, well, no, I'm not, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually couldn't physically say anything because I couldn't catch my breath. And the next question they asked me, I was, I didn't even realize what they were trying to say. And that's, that's when it hit me. Um, they asked if I was alone and if I was in harm, if I was like in harm's way. Mm. And I thought, I just told just told you I'm dying and you think I'm trying to kill myself mm-hmm. and that was kind of the the biggest tipping point for me and it caused me to go to the doctor and at the doctor's office we ran all these tests and again my resting heart rate was 103 wow and she couldn't say anything was wrong with me all the blood tests came back normal mm-hmm. and yet I was the furthest thing from normal and she signed off for six weeks, you know, your six week leave. And I thought, great, self-imposed vacation, not like this is terrible. I'm in the busiest point of my career and I have all of these people counting on me. Like I can't afford to take this time off. And that six weeks just kept rolling forward and it ended up being the end of my career. Wow. And that was, and that was it. And I didn't know what was next. I actually had no idea. This was the job. This was the career. This was the workplace that I had planned to retire from. And in fact, our retirement plans didn't have me retiring. Like that's how much my life was already planned. And so the hand of God basically pushed me to say, this isn't the path this isn't what you're meant to do. You're killing yourself. And that's not the life that you're meant to live. Wow. So I didn't realize, because when we were talking before, but I think now I remember our mutual friend Claire mentioning the chronic illness or chronic pain aspect of it. And um, I don't know if we chatted about this. I don't think so. But I also have like autoimmune and chronic illness things myself and my family, my sister, um, even worse than me in a lot of ways. So do you find that, um, and I don't want to stray too far from like the story you're telling, but do you find that managing your health is is something, it's almost like one of your like main whys in your business. It's like this way I get to manage my health and work around, you know, my highs and lows and all of that. Absolutely. I realized because integrity is one of my core values. And I realized that I was not being integral to myself. um, Because I think that's, that's the most important piece, right? Like nobody else can question your integrity 
about certain things if you are in integrity to your highest need, your highest good, because it sometimes will be in conflict to the integrity that you have promised to others. Right. If, if that makes any sense. And so yes. I had kept saying my family and my health were the most important things to me easily since my car accident, like since 2011, they were my priorities. And that's why I said earlier, like I just was going through the motions of, I booked the doctor's appointment. I booked the next therapy. I booked the Cairo. I booked the acupuncture. Like I booked all of these appointments and I was being poked and prodded, but I actually was not taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And I realized what a hypocrite I was. And so it, has allowed me to build a business around my family needs and around my personal needs, my health being the most critical piece. We didn't talk about this, but I mean, I'm, I'm training for a marathon right now in order to help my health and to mm -hmm. get my stamina up there. I never thought, I never in a million years would have said <laughs> that is on the table as someone who grew up asthmatic. So all of these things for me have almost perfectly lined up to build the life that I, I need in order mm -hmm. to actually thrive and to have the kind of peace and joy and calm that I envision for myself and I envision for my kids. Yeah, this is what I love about, um, well, technology for one, right? And the ability to just connect around the world and everything, because for me, that flexibility and, and everything is something I literally needed. I needed to have, you know, because for me, a lot of my stuff, um, it would affect like in the mornings, I just the worst. And so then to get up and be getting up, you know, six o'clock every day, getting in your car and sitting there for an hour, two hours in Seattle, you know, sitting at a desk all day on somebody else's terms, it just was, it was killing me too. So I completely feel you there. And I feel like we have very similar whys, at least, you know, parts, right? I don't have kids, but um, I have dogs. <laughs> so that counts. But um, so getting back to your, your journey into, into entrepreneurship or back into it, I guess, since you'd had some, some experiences before. So the end of your corporate career came, um, unexpectedly. What was the next step into, like, what led you to the business you're in now in sales and serving people? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I wanted, once I actually took the time to recover, so that was a whole big, long journey. And, and truthfully, I'm as hard as it was to go through it. I call it like my breakdown to breakthrough because I thought it was a breakdown, but it actually was my breakthrough. And it allowed me, it gave me the foundation that I needed to be able to build a business. Like, I don't think I would be here if I hadn't gone through that piece because I needed to get better. I needed to fix myself. I needed to going to shore up my resources and my mindset and all of the practices that I use daily in order to manage my health are very similar to what I do with my business and how I teach others. And so when I was just trying, I was death, I was really lonely. Um, I'm an introvert, but I was so lonely because I didn't see anybody mm -hmm. all day long. And I had developed like post post-traumatic if that's a thing um, from the car accident. Sure I didn't want to be in my car so as soon as I got to the point where I could actually have a conversation I could remember some things because brain fog is a very real thing for me 
Sure. Oh, yeah, I, I relate. <laughs> relate, right? And so I started to seek out community. I started to seek out relationships. And back in the day, it was Periscope. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Awesome. <laughs> I, I remember it, yeah. <laughs> so on Periscope, I started to make these connections. And through that, I started to get my foot back into learning. And I thought, wow, okay, well, maybe I could just learn a couple of things here and there. And that is what led me to Facebook. So before this, I had never had a Facebook profile, if you can believe. And it was through Facebook, those pesky ads, I (laughs) found more courses to dive into. And I found Facebook groups. I found other communities of like-minded people that were starting to build businesses or just trying to do something different with their lives. And I started to figure out that people were struggling with how to build business and then more specifically with selling. And as much as I pushed that away, it kept chasing me because I thought I actually wanted to be a business success coach. And I kind of tacked on the business just because I thought, well, I like talking about business and I'm not in the business world right now. But my intention actually was always to go back to corporate. I know it sounds funny now because I can't imagine going back to that Mm -hmm. life but it was such a huge part of my identity, like almost two decades that I had kind of grown up through the corporate ranks. And I, I really was reluctant to let go of that. So for me, the ability to build a kind of a side hustle to help people to do something different, to learn, and then also be able to potentially make a little bit of extra money. Cause I knew with me going back to my corporate career, my compensation would be impacted. I was not at the top of my game, nor would I be able to stay at the top of my game in the same way that I did before. I was not willing to make that sacrifice anymore. And so that meant that our lifestyle might be impacted. I just desperately wanted to be able to make sure that my kids and I got to go to Disneyland every year for a family vacation. It's one of our favorite places in the world. And I was never able to go as a kid. Mm-hmm because said entrepreneur parents had a brick and mortar store. And so that's what I wanted. And through the whole phase of discovering, wow, there's this whole online world and wanting to deeply serve these amazing women. uh, I grew up uh, again, accidentally, I grew a business that grew much faster than I was anticipating. And I'm really grateful that it was able to be so, so successful at the very beginning without me knowing what kind of what I was doing, I had support and I I had guidance. I sought out mentors um, because I wanted the shortcut, but also because I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I physically was unable to do that because health was number one. And I'm grateful that I was able to get that to, you know, six figures in six months. But you and I had even joked about earlier, that is just the marketing side of things, you know, six figure in six months. That's really sexy to say because nobody wants to say oh it was 20 years and six months because that's (laughs) essentially what it took and even Mm -hmm. longer because I could actually say all the lessons from the time I was seven onwards you know growing alongside my parents in their store I've been able to apply just about every single lesson that they've given to me now in my business and how I interact with with my clients and and the people in my audience. Yeah, I think that is uh, something that I just want to underscore, and it's something I've been talking to a lot of people about lately, because 
new, especially new, I mean, we all fall into comparison, I think at every stage of life and business, but especially new entrepreneurs are looking around and they're hearing those really sexy marketing messages and they're like, wow, they grew so fast and then six figures in six months or zero to a hundred, you know, K in a year or whatever. And what they're not hearing is what you called in our previous chat, the 20 year runway and other ways that I've described it as like the iceberg, right? All the stuff underneath that people aren't seeing. So I think it's really important. And thank you for sharing that because, you know, you didn't just decide one day you were going to become a sales expert, right? You already had the sales background. You had already been in the business world. You had already had like even having entrepreneurial parents. Yes, they had brick and mortar business, but still, you were in their shop learning things about business that maybe we just take for granted, right? When we don't know that it's um, a special skill or, or knowledge that we have. Okay, so let's talk about really quickly the the sexiness around those kind of marketing messages because um, one of the, and I always go off on these little, these little side trails, but um, I think they're so fun. But like, I hear people sometimes saying online, they get tired of, hearing everybody, you know, quote unquote, brag about the money they're making or, you know, um, why has it got to be about the money? Or like, I just want to make ends meet. And, and all of that, I do understand. I understand where those emotions are coming from. Um, but I have an, my own opinion on why it is important to talk about that side of things. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, on talking about the money side of it. Yeah, I am. I'm all about the money. I'm mm -hmm. all about the people. Um, my background is finance in financial services in particular. And so I built a career off of managing, handling, like physically touching boatloads of money to the point where it's just paper. It yeah. really doesn't hold any weight or meaning. And my bigger mission beyond like the why of, of my business is I want to see more millionaire entrepreneurs in the world, specifically females. Yes. Because women change the world. Women with money creates power. It creates choices. It creates decisions that make a difference for the lives of our communities, our children and our children's children. And I think that too often we are equating money with evil. And I mean, we see it in the media, we see it in all these different places. And yet there are so many things that we can do when we have the access to the money that we need. And we're not desperate when we're not worried and we have that, that true freedom to be able to make choices regardless of whether it makes sense, right? Like, mm -hmm. does it make sense for you to want to travel the world and take all of your kids and homeschool? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to be able to have that choice. And so I think it's really important that we bring money conversations into the mainstream and that we normalize them and that we talk about them and that it's not just like some, you know, dirty thing in the back hallway and that we make these judgment calls because I think that's largely coming from. It's because we're judging people for either having the money that we want or not having the money that we don't have. Like, why is it that we have all of these hangups? And I think the more that we can just have these frank and honest conversations, because here's the thing that I also know to be true, the people who have tons of followers or, or that are saying that they have all of this money, it's not just about how much money you make. It's about 
how much money you keep. It's about how you make that grow. It's about the stewardship of your finances. It's about being a responsible adult. Like hashtag adulting is hard (laughs) because keeping the money is not really anything sexy. It's like dieting, right? Like, you know, that in order to lose weight, you have to look at your food and your movement. Mm -hmm. Boring. It's the same thing with money. Like in order to have money, you either, you have to figure out a way to make it and then you have to figure out a way to manage it and keep it so that it's not all running out the back door. This is boring. And so at the end of the day though, you don't have to be good at math to be good at money which I think sometimes people get stuck with, especially women. And I think it's really important that we also don't put any emotion attached to money because Mm -hmm. it literally is never a never ending supply. Like wherever you are in the world, you have a mint or a treasury that sits there. And if we get close to like so-called running out of money and I'm using the air quotes, Mm -hmm. they just print it. Like they literally just go, okay, make more money. And the machine just sits and prints it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely, so, so many things, but I completely agree with, like, let's talk about how much, because I wouldn't probably be where I am if other people weren't talking about the money they made to show me, A, it's possible. Like, like, let's not keep it secret. It's this whole idea of like, even in the workplace, even if we're talking corporate, where people don't share their salaries with one another. And so then, and let's just say women, cause they are not paid as much as men, right? Yeah. For the same work. So if we're not sharing openly about how much money we make, then that's actually doing a disservice to our, you know, quote unquote sisters who can't then go and fight for a, a salary that she deserves. Right. So I think it's so important and it kind of drives me crazy when people are like, stop talking about the money because it's really important to have those conversations Two, like you said, having a heart-centered business, being of service and making a lot of money, these are not mutually exclusive things. The more money we make, the more good things we can do, right? So growing up with those stories of money is the root of all evil and things like that, um, you know, I really had to reprogram the way I thought about money in order to get away from that. And for me, it's an ongoing, like, it sounds like to you, it's a lot more normalized, but I'm like, yes, let's talk about money. Let's normalize this. So I'm so glad to hear you, to hear you (laughs) preach it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, that's, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, So I always love having that conversation for sure. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing, aside from the money, but before I forget is, um, earlier when we were talking and I think you brought it up again on the recording, um, you said you were fighting sales. Like you were like sales kind of came up again for you. You accidentally fell into it in corporate. Then it came up again for you in the business world. Why do you say, and I asked this because I did the same thing. Why do you say you were like fighting what it is that was kind of like your your calling if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is where, well, and I'll, I'll reference a book in case folks are like, Oh, how do I wrestle with this? So Mm -hmm. the, the one thing by Jay Papazan and uh, Gary Keller really helped to reframe this for me. And it's still, it still bubbles up from time to time. So the essence of this is that I, I'm introverted. I 
didn't really, I've never really thought of myself as a really good salesperson. I actually, I ran away from it because I, if you've ever thought and pictured, because in my mind still, when I think of real like sales, I see this middle-aged overweight guy with a (laughs) polyester suit, grease stains on his shirt and trying to sell me this car that's like dented and dinged and is like the pinto at the back of the lot and think and saying like, Oh yeah, it looks great. Like we'll clean it up for you. And that, that was really hard for me to overcome. And so I avoided every retail sales job, even though I knew they would pay more my entire life until I couldn't run from it anymore. And so I never felt like I had the personality to be good at sales. I was never the top sales per- Well, I was the top salesperson, but never the top of the top of the top, like never mm-hmm. the, the number one in, in my company. Now, mind you, the corporate company that I work for had 80,000 global employees. So I think I, <laughs> I might've yeah. been like aiming a little bit high. Yeah. At the same time, I always, as a high performer and a high achiever, there was always somebody better than me that I wanted to strive to be similar to. And so when I thought about building a business, I never thought that I was good enough. I thought, well, I'm not the best salesperson. I'm not the best sales leader. I'm not the best at all of these things related to sales. And my good friend, actually, uh, she really helped me reframe this when I was struggling as a success coach. And this is no no, no slight, no shade to any success coaches out there. But for me, because of my pain journey, I wanted to talk about success, like, you know, be the best you and all of these very generic terms that I think work once you've built a brand, once you've kind of cracked through your niche, but just start off that way. That's really tough. Like nobody paid attention to me when I said all of these things. And so I, was running from it because I, I thought it, I wasn't good enough. And I thought it wasn't important enough to be frank. I thought like, nobody wants help with this thing. Like, isn't this pretty straightforward for everybody else? And I realized that, uh, it, it wasn't straightforward for me when I started my career, it took time and effort and work and process and observation. And I continually practice it. Even now I'm continually learning from people that are better than me that are doing it differently so that I can incorporate the way that they do it to keep honing my skills so that I can keep teaching my clients. And so that's why for me, I, 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 and I still, this is the year that I'm owning it. I'm claiming it. I'm a great (laughs) sales strategist and coach, but it's, I still have a little bit of hesitancy that I'm working on there because I, I don't think I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So two things um, that really stood out to me, one, and this isn't, we don't need to like dive into this, but um, I'm glad you mentioned it, which is a lot of new entrepreneurs, especially in the coaching space, they want to be that motivational speaker, that motivational public figure, right? And it's so hard to crack that. Like most people who are there you know, who are actually monetizing being a motivational, whatever, influencer, 
they did something beforehand. Like they were building, it's like that's what we were saying earlier, right? They had another niche, another business that was more specialized. And then as they grew and as their name got out there, then it's like people want to hear from them and they'll sell out big, you know, big stages and things. So I just wanted to highlight again that you said that, because I think it's really, really important. Um, The other piece, which is what I was curious about when you said you were fighting sales, Um, And you said it, and I was like waiting. I'm like, please, like, because this is the same thing that I go through, which is sometimes when we're fighting the thing that seems most obvious, it's like talking to, like for me, it was writing. I was like, but everybody can do this. So I think the big thing for us is we take for granted, like the thing that's knocking on your like brain door is like, hello, hello. That's because like our gut or whatever is telling us like, you are really good at this thing, but you're taking it for granted because you, because you've been doing it for so long, because you are talented at it, whatever, um, that that's why we're pushing it away. That's why we're saying no, but everybody can do this. So I think it's really important if, if people feel like they're fighting something, that's actually probably your intuition saying, follow that thing. That's actually not what everybody else is good at. It totally is. And I think I love what you shared there because I recently heard Rachel Hollis speak and she's a perfect example because I think a lot of people want to be like Rachel Hollis. She came to mind for me too. Yes. Yeah. It's funny because I I don't actually know very much about her. She kind of just suddenly appeared on the scene and she laughs about her so-called overnight success. Same thing because that wasn't her first book. It's like Mm -hmm. her sixth or seventh book. And so when people go, oh, they're there, dear, like, it's okay. The last one didn't do so well. She's like, do you know how many didn't do so well? Like, I have just done it constantly, consistently. And now, now I can claim that success because I put in the time beforehand and I really just focus on serving those people. And I think that's where it really comes down to. Sometimes we do take for granted. And for me, a lot of it was, I did not, I didn't have faith in my ability to do the thing that I knew how to do. If that, mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but you know, sometimes you just think, well, just like what you said, it's so, it's so easy. Is that really, is that really mm-hmm. the thing? <laughs> and when you are able to grasp that it isn't so easy. There are certain things now in my business where um, being able to incorporate more of my faith and being able to, to have that conviction of knowing when I make the right move and when I don't make the right move, that's something else where I have a lot of my clients go, how do you know? And it's because I have faith and it's because I've gone through that journey already the first time and now I'm not doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so- yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And the word faith keeps coming up and and it was coming up in our initial conversation. And so um, just for everyone listening, faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And it's one of the things that I preach to people all the time. And, and even just faith in like, it's all going to work out, right? Um, exactly. Faith focus and follow through what I was telling you before we started recording. Like these are like the, just the bare essentials, right. Of what we need. So what would be some of your sort of parting words, I guess, for someone out there who is um, maybe struggling with believing that their business 
is possible that they're kind of chugging along and they feel invisible or whatever, like what, what would you, what would you tell them? I would tell them that if this is actually what you want, not what somebody else wants for you, not what you think you should be doing, even if that's a hot, you know, for me, it's God, whether it's that person's voice in your head, like your mom, sorry, ma, Uh, or or anybody else, if there's, if there's even a kernel that it doesn't belong to you, I want you to just give yourself permission that it's okay to want what you want. And I think that is the most critical piece because anytime that I have failed, I use that term kind of loosely here, but anytime that I haven't really met my expectations or followed through and had my personal integrity or responsibility to the commitment and the conviction, it's usually because it wasn't mine to begin with. It wasn't Mm -hmm. mine. Somebody else's. It's someone else's dream. It was somebody else's vision. It was somebody else's rules or expectations and not wanting to let them down can sometimes handcuff you right? It can sometimes hold you back from the life that you're meant to live and the path that you're actually supposed to pursue. And as crazy it might, as it might sound, like if you had told me five years ago, right before my breakdown, that I would be talking to Aaron, having this podcast recorded because I have a successful, completely online-based international business, I would have I probably would have hit you. <laughs> I would have said, you are in crazy town. So nothing is beyond your reach. Nothing is impossible. If it is meant for you, take hold of it and let nothing stop you. Let nothing get in your way. Let no one take that dream away from you. And the biggest, most important thing that I think that you can do uh, in pursuit of that is to safeguard safeguard your dreams, safeguard your thoughts, safeguard your beliefs, safeguard who you talk to because you don't have a moment to lose. You don't have the time to give up, to sit in doubt, to sit in fear, to not move forward because somebody is counting on you. Mm-hmm. I love that. See, you're going to be on a motivational stage in no time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Susan, this is this is so amazing. I feel like I say this to people all the time and I feel like it doesn't sound disingenuous, but once I ha- start getting into a conversation with someone, I'm like, I could talk to you for like three more hours about yeah. this. Um, but you and I have a lot in common. So I feel like we could go on and on. So Tell people where they can find you because I think what you do is something that literally every business owner needs to be able to nail their sales, right? Um, and you're just a wonderful human being. So where can people connect with you? Thank you. Well, I'm uh, across all social media platforms as Susan McVeigh. My name is a little bit tricky. So it's last name is spelled M-C-V. E-A. You can also find me on my website there as well. Um, I do have a free gift for those of you that are curious because I know it's always nice to be able to see kind of other people's paths as they go through their uh, success and, and what they've done. And hopefully you can learn through my mistakes as well. But if you're wanting to know more about my journey to six figures, we kind of chased a little bit over that. Um, 
but you can dig into that in a little bit more detail, susanmcveigh.com slash word, and you're going to be able to see my exact blueprint, what I did, what I didn't do, um, and I'll, I'll walk you through that. Perfect. Oh, that's amazing. Because one of the questions I kept meaning to get back to is like, but, but it's such a huge conversation is like, people are going to want to know how you, how you did it. Like what were the things that you leveraged? So that's perfect. So I'm going to put all of your information, your link, your freebie, everything in the show notes for our listeners so they can go check you out and they should go check you out. And then, um, was there something else that you wanted to plug? I feel like there was something else that we were talking about. Yeah, if uh, your listeners are interested, because obviously you're on a podcast, yep. I also have a podcast. It's called Master the Sales Game, and I drop weekly episodes to help you improve your sales, and because I think sales should be fun. It didn't always feel like that to me at the beginning, and so maybe that's where you're at right now. I'd love for you to be able to see how sales can be fun for you, so you can catch new episodes at Master the Sales Game podcast as well. Awesome. No, that sounds great. I'm going to subscribe. I always listen to podcasts in bed at night. And I just learned after years that um, iTunes has a, or Apple podcast now, I guess, has a sleep timer because <laughs> I would fall asleep and then it would just like play episodes and episodes, but there's a sleep yeah. timer on it. <laughs> I was like, I did not know that either. I'm going to have to figure that out, Erin. Thanks for teaching me something new today. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very helpful. Now I, now I only miss like part of an episode yes. instead of three. <laughs> um, Susan, thank you so much for being on today. It was such a pleasure having you on. And like I tell everyone who I thoroughly enjoy having on, um, maybe we can do round two one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or just say the word podcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at candidlyerin.com. And make sure to use the hashtag just say the word in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.